0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today. I believe God's word, which is loaded with power, is able to empower you to do what he has called you to do and to be the person that he has called you to be. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a good time today in the word of God before we jump into today's message, let me share with you and remind you about our upcoming Israel tour. The dates for the tour are May 16 through the 26, 2022. Woo! You've got time to get ready. You've got time to get registered. You can get registered with a $300 deposit that secures your spot. And my friends, this tour is loaded. This is a luxury, first-class tour Uh, hand-picked hotels. The itinerary is hand-picked. It is going to be fantastic. I will be on the tour. My wife will be there. I will be teaching at various sites, and we are going to have a lot of fun together. I want you to get registered. I would like for you to come to Israel on tour with me. Again, the dates are May 16th through the 26th, 2020 two. Praise the Lord. We will be going to uh, various sites. Caesarea by the sea. Uh, This time we're actually going to go to the Stella Morris church where the cave of Elijah is at. That's the cave he actually lived in, they say, there in the Mount Carmel area. And of course, we will go up Mount Carmel. We will go to Megiddo and to Cana. And to Nazareth, praise the Lord, we're going to have a great time going on a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, Mm -mm. going to the Golan Heights, going to the Jordan Valley, going to the ancient city of Jericho. We're going to go to the uh, traditional baptismal site down by the Qumran area. This is a little further south, and this is a beautiful area. Uh, Also, we're going to go back to En Gedi. Wow, this is where David hid out when King Saul was trying to hunt him down and kill him. And you'll get a firsthand observation of the type of a place David and his men were staying in. This is a beautiful place, but at the same time, it's a little bit rough because it's out there in the wilderness. And you can imagine David sleeping in some of those caves. And some of those caves are probably the ones he literally did stay in at various times. So we're going to En which is a national park. We will be uh, going by St. George's Monastery, one of the most photographed sites concerning monasteries in the world. Praise God. Bethany, and then on to Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives. We're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, various places there in Jerusalem. We'll be in Jerusalem for multiple days. Oh, my goodness. We're going to Beersheba, uh, to the Valley of Elah. And we are just going to have a tremendous time. The price, let's see, where's that price? I'm looking for the price. The price, all inclusive, 4649. 4649. That includes your international airfare. And uh, that's flying out of New York, JFK, and back, all the way to Tel Aviv and back. It includes all of your hotels. It includes tips. It includes taxes. It includes breakfast. It includes dinner. And also included in that is a special fish lunch at the Sea of Galilee. So my friends, uh, this is the tour that you have been waiting for. Some of you, you have a burning in your heart to go to Israel. And we're going to go, and we're going to see the sights, and we're going to go in comfort and joy. Hallelujah. And we're also going to go and meet the Lord. His presence always comes There's always a refreshing that the Lord brings, and we are anticipating that as well. So please get registered just as quick as you can. The dates again, May 16th through the 26th, 2022. It is going to be an unforgettable tour. Praise God. I look forward to seeing you there in person. Praise the Lord. Now, today, let's take our Bibles, and let's go to Genesis chapter 12. And let's take a look for a moment at verses 1 and 2. Now the Lord had said to Abram, "Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you." Now, everything, there's no exclusion. Everything that God does always has a purpose. That is baked into it. God has pre-planned it out. There's a reason specifically for why he does what he does. And here he says, I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I like that. Blessed to be a blessing. And yes, there's a purpose for you being blessed. His purpose for blessing you is so that you can be a blessing everywhere you go now this is important to understand god will not bless you beyond your commitment to be a blessing let me say that one more time god will not bless you beyond your commitment to be a blessing praise god so often we like the finished product of abundance or maybe we could call it prosperity or however you would like to label it or overflow. So often we like the finished product, but there are many believers that don't want to go through the process that delivers that wonderful product. We must embrace the process and of course embrace the final product. Now the process is that you give according to the blessings upon your life. You step into the process that enables you to come into abundance. And the process is that you give according to the blessings upon your life. You don't wait until you have a lot of money before you start giving. (laughs) How many Christians have you met who actually have that mentality or, and are making that literal mistake, They're thinking, I can't give. I can't give until I get a whole bunch of extra. And then when I get a bunch of extra, then I'll start giving. And that is a deceptive uh, mentality. You don't wait until that point. You will not become financially blessed as an accumulator, but rather, according to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you become blessed as a distributor. So your, your success is not based on what you're accumulating. Your success and your prosperity in God is based upon your distribution. It's based upon your giving out. Woo! It's time to be excited about kingdom living. And we must have a giving heart in order to in in, in order to engage this beautiful expanse of living in Christ. Kingdom living. You have to have a giving heart. Now, First Timothy chapter 6, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Praise the Lord. Now, in verse 17, we're told that God gives us good things to enjoy. Who? I like that. Mm-mm. But we must, we must bring out verse 18 into the full expression of our lives. And in verse 18, we have four things. We have four reasons for, you could even say the purpose for why we're being blessed. And here they are. Number one, we are commanded to do good. Mm-mm. How many, you know, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to do good. <laughs> Woo. Hallelujah. Right where you're at. You can do good. Hallelujah. It says about Jesus in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he went around doing good, doing good. Well, Pastor Stephen, what does that mean? Well, it has a pretty broad expression, doing good. I mean, that that's a big umbrella to stand underneath. There's all types of creative and expressive ways that you can find to do good. So we are commanded, number one, to do good. Number two, to be rich in good works, rich in good works. You can go around doing good works. They don't have to be things like building a skyscraper. They can just be these good works that you see something that you can do something that you can touch. It's something that you can put your heart into and you can be a blessing. So we do good. We are going about being rich in good works And number three, we are told to be ready to give ready, not reluctant, not, Oh, Oh, I've had about enough of that. No, ready, ready Woo to give. Mm -mm. See, you need a giving heart. You need a giving heart to get on the heartbeat of God and to get into that blessing. You need a giving heart. So you connect with God's heart. You're on the same frequency with God. Well, I'm on the frequency with God. You can't be if you're not a giver. If you're not a giver, you can't be on the same frequency. Mm. Ready to give, willing, willing to share. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I want the whole pie. No, no. You get two slices. We're going to give you a double blessing. But the rest, the rest we're going to share. Praise God. We are distributors. We're not trying to just grab everything. Grab Grab, store, grab, you know, hoard. No, no. We are told to do these four things. Do good, be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. In other words, you're being blessed to do these four things. You're being blessed to be a blessing. Oh, yes. Yes. Verse 17. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Oh, you'll have plenty to enjoy. But. But as you look around, you see the work of the kingdom. As you look around, you see, you see, you sense the heart of God and you see certain things, certain things that you must respond to through these four steps of doing good, being rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Now, when you work this process of having a giving heart and being involved in these Biblical instructions. It will carry you, hear me today, it will carry you into unlimited blessing. Mm-mm. Not something with a restriction, not something with the ceiling that says you can only go this high and that's it. You've tapped God out. God's done. No, no. You work these principles and you step into this kingdom process of living which is a heart of giving, my friends, it'll carry you into unlimited blessing. Mm -mm. Now, having shared God's word with you, let's operate kingdom process. Let's develop the heart of giving. Let's exercise our faith and honor the Lord with our finances. We are now going to bring the holy tithe, and the offerings into the storehouse of God. Tithing is the systematic giving of 10% of all of your increase to the Lord. And we're instructed to do that in God's Word. We are staying with His principles. We are staying with kingdom process. You are blessed to be a blessing. This brings you into the blessing where it's manifesting profusely in your life, you're carried into overflow, and it gets greater and greater and greater and greater, even into, into the field of unlimited blessing. So let's honor the Lord with a tithe, and let's sow seed, let's bring in offerings, and honor the Lord in that category as well. Now, if you prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. Again, Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you would like to bring the tithes and offering in online, you can do so at the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says, "Give." It has a red heart on it. You can click on that, and you can bring your tithe and offering in from anywhere in the world, day or night, into the storehouse of the Lord. You could do so electronically. Praise God. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your giving. Father, bless your people. We thank you that as you brought Abraham into full supply, into overflow, we thank you that we are the seed of Abraham. And I see you lifting your people up where they have great empowerment to bless because they are blessed and they have great ability to extend that blessing because they have more than enough. Father, bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord today. Glory to God. Well, my friends today, I felt led of the Holy spirit to talk about the subject taste and see. And this will be in the category of a continual study of the goodness of God. And we want to examine this today in the light of God's Word. And let's do so by starting today in Psalm 31, verse 19. This has been a key text for us as we have been looking at the goodness of God. And we're going to begin today from that same portion of Scripture. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures and that our thinking, our thought processes would be in harmonization with your word, which is also your will for our lives. Thank you, Father. Let the light be bright, but the eyes of our heart see it. We thank you in Jesus name we pray. We all agree and say, amen. Praise God. Psalm 31, verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness. God is a good God. His goodness is legendary. Mm -mm. It's great. It's not just like average. It's great goodness. How great is your goodness, which you have laid up, which he has reserved, which he has kept stored up just for us just for you in this end time generation, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. What has been laid up, my friends, is now being released into your life. Mm -mm. Keep your mind on the goodness of God and how great that, that goodness of God is. I want you to be meditating on God's goodness. I want you to be meditating on the fact that it's for you and that it is being released into your life. There are many different things right now that are competing for your attention that are competing for what it is that you're thinking about. And God, through the instruction of the Holy spirit wants you to be thinking about the beautiful goodness of God flowing in your life. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, the message Bible says, I say, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on the best, not the worst. Again, the message Bible says, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on the best, not the worst. I'm aware like I'm sure you are too of all the negative crazy things that are going on out there in the world and in our nation today. But that's not where your focus is supposed to be. Yes, we can be aware of external circumstances, but that's not where we're going to zero in our focus at. No, our focus needs to be precisely defined as being on what God is saying. Who Praise the Lord. You know, one of the last sermons that Prophet Kenneth Hagin ever ever taught, just before he passed away, in one of those final sermons, this is what he said. He said, "We are indeed in the last days, and everything God said He would do in the last days will be done." Woo! Stop and think about that, my friends. We're running out of time, and these good things that God has. Spoken forth that will happen to his people that will happen to the church. It's going to happen. He's going to get it done. And so we are actually living in the greatest hour because God has saved the very best for the end. And we are right there at the end. Again, Kenneth Hagin said, we are indeed in the last days. And everything God said he would do in the last days will be done. Now, I believe that because of that, we need to be people that are rejoicing. We need to be people of great expectancy, because I'm telling you, God is moving now amongst His people, and it's only going to increase. This is the time to not only believe in the goodness of God, this is a time to celebrate the goodness of God. Can you give me a good shout of amen out there? Woo, praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Oh, I love this verse. And the Lord passed before him, that would be Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness, And truth God is abounding in goodness. Now that word abounding in the Hebrew means more than an adequate supply of goodness. It means more than what will be an adequate supply. It is an abounding supply. It can also be translated as inexhaustible goodness. Goodness. Well, Pastor Stephen, God's been very, very good with previous generations. He's just run out of steam now. No, God's got plenty of goodness. And he has actually kept the best for the end time generation. And it is being released now. It has been held for a very timely season. We are now in that season. The goodness of God is being released and it is coming in an inexhaustible measure. Mm -mm. The Lord, the Lord God abounding in goodness. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord God abounding in goodness. Woo. Praise the Lord. When you are convinced of God's goodness, it becomes a part of your belief system. Woo. I need to say that again. When you are convinced of God's goodness. It then becomes a part of your belief system. And when you believe it, then you will speak it. And that's exactly, my friends, what we saw David do in one of the most beautiful Psalms in the Bible. And that would be Psalm 23. And let's go directly to verse 6. He says, surely. Now notice when he's using the word surely, do you denote uh, trepidation? Do you sense uh like somebody that's not quite solid on this? No, you see somebody that is completely persuaded. You see somebody that's completely convinced and given over to that truth, which is that surely, he says, goodness. And mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Wow. And you need have that mentality where you are absolutely convinced that surely with no doubt, surely with great certainty, goodness is following you everywhere you go. Now it comes in a tandem. It comes in, a, in twins, goodness and mercy. But today we're, fo- we're focusing on the element of goodness, goodness, always following you all your life long. The goodness of God always with you, always with you. Why are some of you always expecting something bad to happen to you? Where is that thought process originating from? It's not coming from God. It's not coming from his word. You need to let your doctrine and your theology You need to let it be based on the word and not on some experience you had when you didn't know the word. I've had bad things happen to me before. And when I look back at many of the things that happened, it happened because I permitted it. Why did you permit it, Pastor Stephen? Because I didn't know any better. I didn't know my authority in Christ. I didn't know the goodness of God or that God had a good plan. And so I was a little bit just open to whatever happened. And if you're open to stuff like that, you're like the person that goes to bed at night, just trusting and hoping that everything's okay. And so you don't lock your door. Trust me. If you don't lock your door, there is something that the enemy, there's something that a thief just senses and picks up. Hey, I think over there is just an easy target. And you know what? If you don't lock your door, you are an easy target. Maybe you can get away with that for a while. I remember growing up in rural Mississippi. My grandmother never locked the door. My grandfather never locked the door, and they lived way back in the woods. And the nearest neighbor who was quite some distance away, they knew the neighbor way over there. And then they knew the neighbor way back over on the other side. And then there was a sawmill way back on that other end. And back over there, they knew who had that. So they kind of all knew each other. And it's not like you really had drifters or strangers driving down deserted long country roads, (laughs) you know, know, uh, dirt roads at that. So everybody knew each other. So back back in that era, you maybe could get away with something like that. Although I'd still kind of thought it was strange. I, I thought, well, I, I think if for me, I'd lock the door, but <laughs> that was just back then. But how many of you know today, you probably should lock your doors. Well, I trust God. Well, I do too, but God's not going to lock the lock on your door. He leaves that up to you. He leaves that up to you. He leaves the exercising of authority up to you even if he's delegated it to you it's up to you what you do with it or don't do with it so you need to use the authority that God has given you and so when you start walking in the light of God's word you realize that God is good he has been good all the time he was actually trying to help you when when you didn't know certain things he was trying to give indicators he was trying to give signs as much as he could he's not going to violate your will or override you. In other words, he's not going to step in and shout, Hey, don't do that. He's given you free choice, which is also the freedom to get in here and study and find out what's rightfully yours. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. But my friends, as you begin to walk now in the illumination of God's word and understand that he's good, he's good. You'll see that goodness is coming along with you everywhere you go. It's, it's just God's goodness is at every hand. Some of you, bless your hearts, you think that if you actually make the full commitment to serve God, that he's going to send you to Antarctica, and you hate hate freezing weather, and you think, well, if I really surrender to the Lord, he's going to make me do something that I don't want to do. Now, who in the world told you something crazy like that? Where is all of that bizarre level uh, of like retreating back from God because you don't want to get close to him because, because you think he's not good? My friends, when your heart is surrendered to him and you are sold out to him and you are living for him with all of your heart, he actually has nothing but good plans for you. He's, he's even sensitive to what you like. He's not going to send you somewhere you don't like. And even if if, if if it were his plan to send you there, that that liking it and loving it, Suddenly it's, it's given to you. It's given to, you, and you would like it. You really would. You really, you really would. He's not trying to make anybody miserable. He is a good God. Let the word of God liberate you today from thoughts that would keep you from getting close to God. Because if you think, well, if I get close to God, he's my, he's liable to send me off to Mongolia to be a missionary. (laughs) All of that crazy way of thinking, Comes out of a lack of understanding the goodness of God. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. He's good, good, good. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And let me tell you this it gets better as you continue the journey. It gets better. The goodness gets richer and thicker and more apparent the longer you walk with the blessed Savior. Mm -mm. And I'm here to tell you today that that goodness will be with you. God's goodness will be with you every single day of your life until your life on earth is done. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. So you need to expect and accommodate the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is something that's very interesting. David said, surely, in other words, you see the conviction, the knowing uh, Through personal experience that God's a good God. Um, Sometimes I hear Christians making technically what would be a good statement, like, God's good. Hallelujah. God's good. You ever heard, you know, people kind of some of them get really into it. You ask them how they're doing. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I'm blessed. I'm blessed going in, I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed with heaven's best. You know, Pentecostals are real good that. I'm blessed with heaven's best. But if you were to stop and ask them when they're not, you know, when they don't put on the show, you know, if you were to ask them, do you really believe that? Some, if they're honest, would say, well, in my head, I know that's the way I should respond, but I've got areas of my heart where, no, I I don't really believe that. That's why you can shout and holler stuff like that. I'm blessed going in, blessed going out. But... You live a very ordinary life. There's there's nothing that denotes an exceptional goodness of the touch of God there. Why? It's not really believed. It's not really believed. You have to believe it first. You have to believe it first. And then you speak it and say it. See, David believed it. That's why he said, surely goodness and mercy. They're following me every day of my life. He believed it. And when you believe it, you'll say it with that tremendous knowing. And there's proofs, trust me, they'll, they'll be all over your life. Proofs of goodness, all over the place. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. The apostle Paul said, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written. I believed, and therefore I spoke. Who's he quoting? David. David said that. I believed, and therefore I spoke. And By the way, that's exactly what he was doing in Psalm 23. He believed that God's good. And he believed it to a point where he's absolutely convinced of it. And he says, surely. And so he believed and then spoke. So here, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We... Paul speaking here, we also believe and therefore speak. Let me see if I can clear something up that was a little bit of a confusion amongst some. When the word of faith movement was real strong, you had a lot of believers that got uh, that were flowing in that, which is a good thing. But a lot of them were making these real strong how can I say faith statements? Um, How you doing brother? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm on top. I'm never on the bottom. I've got more than enough. And you know, they start, they, you know, they, they've had, you know, they've heard that you're supposed to make a good confession. So they're going to, they're making it and uh, they're, they're really gung ho and worked up. But here's the problem. You have to believe all that. You have to believe it first. And a lot of them never Rooted in the word so much that it just took hold in their hearts with a tremendous faith where there is total s- certainty in there. Doubt has been blasted out and they believe it. Well, trust me, when you believe it, what do you do? Well, Paul said, We believe, therefore. In other words, once we believe, therefore, we speak. And when you really do believe and you are convinced that God is good, then You speak, and there's evidence of it. There's proofs of it in your life. Why? Because you know he's good. Hallelujah. He's good. I I know a young minister that he's an itinerant minister, and he was asked to go speak as as a guest evangelist at a certain church. So while he's giving his, you know, sharing his message, he just happened to say, God is a good God. Can you shout amen? And nobody really shouted amen. Well, he didn't quite understand what was going on, but he just kept on with his message. And this young man told me, he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, after I'd preached that message, the pastor, the senior pastor of the church called me over to the side and said, brother, don't ever make that statement ever again in this church. He said, what statement? He said, God is good. He said, are you telling me not to say God is good? He said, well, God's not a good God. He loves us, but he's not good. He'll, he'll put you in a car wreck to teach you a lesson. He'll put cancer on your children to teach you a lesson so that you can grow and mature in the faith. He's, he's not good. And so there you see a classic example of a minister. This minister had a large church of a minister whose doctrine was terribly deformed because of life experience. So he is basing his view through a cloudy lens that's obscured by personal trauma and disappointments in life. And he's basically saying that because I've had some bad experiences in life, God's not good. But see, he was also a person that did not know his authority in Christ that did not know how to deal with the devil when the devil showed up. And, you know, in some ways, he got steamrolled by the enemy. And then, you know what the enemy does on top of it? After the enemy does these bad things, sometimes even the preachers, sometimes even the full gospel people, or even the Christians, you know what the enemy does? After he's done it, after he has put his junk on them, he'll actually retreat and hide with the religious guys, and he'll whisper, God did that to you. (gasps) And can you believe there's Christians that are unilluminated enough in the light of God's word to actually not be able to discern that's not God. That's the devil that did that. And then because they think the devil did it, the next thing you know, they don't think he's good. They don't think God's good. So I'm here today to say from this pulpit that God is good. He is absolutely completely good. Woo, hallelujah. So don't run away from him. Run to him. (laughs) Because the closer you get to him, trust me, you're getting around the the universal core of goodness. (laughs) Woo, hallelujah. (laughs) And if you had had some bad times, you get close to the Lord. He'll bring healing into your heart. And he'll even, when you release that bitterness and stuff like that, that frustration, and you repent of it, he'll heal you. He'll even restore joy back into your life. Well, Pastor Steve, I made some really wrong decisions. Well, he can bring healing and restore complete joy back into your life. That's how good he is. Praise God. So yes, we want to have strong confessions of faith. We want to speak in agreement with God's word. My friends. But we have to believe God's Word first. You really have to get settled on this, that He's a good God. He is good. Mm -mm, He's not not waiting to hit you over here with a hammer. He is a good God. Now, God is going to use His goodness towards His people as a witness to unbelievers and even to backslidden Christians. I'd like for you to see this in Psalm 126, verse 1. God's going to use his goodness towards his people as a witness to unbelievers and even towards backslidden Christians. 126 verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations. Now, when, it, when you read the phrase, they said among the nations, the word nations in our English language is the Hebrew word Goy, G-O-Y. And it basically means the multitudes who are outside of the covenant of God. The multitudes who are separated from God because they have no covenant with him. So it would be, in other words, what we would call the Gentiles. It says, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the among the nations, in other words, the unbelievers, those away from God, the Lord has done great things for them. Talking about God's people, the Lord has done great things for them. Then the psalmist goes on to say, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Praise the Lord. God is going to put his goodness, his touches of goodness upon your life. And it will be as a witness to those that don't know the Lord. And it will be used as conversation starters. It will be used as touch points where you have an opportunity to share God's goodness with them so that they can come into the goodness of the Lord and, of course, come into salvation. We also see this in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness? forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Let me say that again, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The passion translation says in reference to God's goodness here, it says it's meant to melt the heart. The goodness of God is meant to melt the heart. The heart who praise God, I see hearts thawing out right now because you're seeing that God loves you, cares about you, and he has a good plan for your life. Praise the Lord. When they see God's goodness on your life, it is designed to melt their heart. The message translation says that God's goodness leads us into a radical life change. Think about that. And that's a good translation. It's it is a paraphrase translation, but he's pulling from the Greek meaning and the intent of what's being expressed there. And he is saying that God's goodness leads us into a radical life change. And I believe for many of you you're going to start thinking differently as you realize that God loves you, and that He's good, and that He's good to you all the time. Praise God. So, God's goodness leads us into a radical life change. So, ask yourself this question. Do you really just want to be mediocre, or average, or maybe we could say normal, or even subnormal? (laughs) Do we want to just be like that? I don't believe so. I believe that God greatly desires to distinguish you with his goodness. I want to say that again, real slow. God wants to distinguish you with his goodness. He's going to, he's going to cause you to stand out because his goodness is so strong upon your life. And this would be even a radical goodness. I'm talking about radical goodness, not just normal goodness. Now remember, God's goodness is described as being great, as being abounding, as being inexhaustible. And so this really is a radical extreme goodness. And God's going to let that touch you and be displayed in your life. Get ready, my friends. Get ready for this. Woo, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God's going to do such an amazing work in your life that you'll be able to look at your life and say, I live a radical Christian lifestyle. I live an extremely good life that glorifies the Lord and draws others to him. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Let's go to Psalm 34, verse 8. This is one of those beautiful scriptures that's very easy to memorize and very easy to just get it down into your spirit. And I want you to be meditating on this particular verse this week. Because you're going to see manifestation. This again is verse 8 from Psalm 34. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever stopped to think that as David wrote this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that this is actually a directive? In other words, this is not something that you just read and oh, you, you just think oh that's so poetic, that's very uh, that's very nice. No, this is a directive. This is something that you're supposed to do. This is something that you're actually literally supposed to experience. Oh, taste, God wants you to do it, and see that the Lord is what? Mean and nasty? Ready there, grape you out. No, God is good, and he wants you to taste and see that he is good. Mm-mm. You know, I was meditating on this, and here's a few insights that the Lord gave me. You're going to have new taste experiences with the Lord's goodness. Just like there are countless flavors of food, there are countless blessings of God's goodness for you to experience. Oh, taste. Oh, taste. Think about how many flavors there are. You have Italian flavor. You have Mexican flavor, Cuban flavor. You have Japanese flavor, soy sauce and sushi and all of that. And uh, you have Americana type flavors. And then the spices can just go on and on and on. Indian food, it's all good, isn't it? Thai food, whoo, it's all good. But these flavors can just continue. But my friends, it's the same way with the Lord's goodness. God wants you. He invites you to taste this, taste this, taste these different elements of his goodness. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes you have to taste certain things to know if you like it. And God will allow you to do that. He'll set it up. I've seen him set things up in my life that would be, if I could use a, another expression for it, almost like a taste test. And he's like, well, just, you know, find out which one that you like. And then we can talk about, you know, the full manifestation, whatever it is you want in that area. But some things you don't know until there is a taste. And so if you go to, you know, these various ice cream places, you, and you don't really know what is available, you might just want to get some samples and taste and trust me, I'm sure you'll find something that you like. I have my favorite. I know when I go in exactly what I'm looking for. Praise the Lord. And there's these different ice cream stores. We have one not too far away. Every time my wife and I go, I know, I know exactly what I'm looking for. They've always got it there for me. My wife, she's going to get a, a different choice. But some things you have to taste it to know if you like it. And the Lord will allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I was reading a a book that I have by a very godly prophet. And this old prophet lived his life out. He passed away. He went on to the Lord, uh, went on to be with the Lord in heaven. He wrote some really good books. And he was talking in one of his books about a supernatural vision he had in which the Lord Jesus came to him and stood before him and extended his arm out to him and said, touch me, touch me. I am altogether goodness and this, this prophet, this man of God touched the Lord and he had the sense that within the Lord, there is not one speck of evil. There is not one thing of him that could harm you or ever do you wrong. He is altogether goodness. Woo. Praise the Lord. So I believe there are experiences that are being lined up for you right now to experience the goodness of the Lord manifested, revealed in your life. Some of them may even be smaller expressions, but there could also be some large expressions where they're so large, they're almost like billboards that display God's goodness on your life, and it will generate conversation as you go. Watch out. Praise the Lord! It is for the glory of the Lord to this. And let me say this: When the Lord told Moses in Exodus chapter thirty-three, "I'm going to pass by you," get ready. He said, "I'm going to show you my glory," because that's what Moses wanted to see. Did you notice that when the glory was displayed, so much of it was displayed through the goodness? And anytime you get into the glory of God you are touching a key element of that glory, which is the goodness of God. Mm -mm. The goodness of God is his very best for you. Praise the Lord. The goodness of God is his very best for your life. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 65 verse four. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. The word satisfied in the Hebrew, it means to supply fully until no more is needed. Again, that word satisfied means to supply fully until no more is needed. I'm here to tell you today that good things from God are on their way to you, and you need to be expecting them. You need to be celebrating the goodness of God, rejoicing in the Lord, in his goodness. Woo. Hallelujah. Praise God. And delighting in his ways. I see beautiful manifestations of the goodness of God coming into your life. Look, don't ever let the devil come in there and put a wedge between you and the Lord. He loves to try to do that. And one, one of the most successful ways that I see him do that to, to Christians is by trying to give doubt that God is good And trying to give suggestion that, see there, God's not nice. If he were, he wouldn't have allowed that to happen to you. See, God's not good. If he were good, that wouldn't have happened. And he tries to put through the believers, sometimes lack of understanding of the word, he tries to put that wedge of separation. And if he can be successful in that, it will short circuit the goodness of God in that person's life. So you must, you must come close to the heart of God. You must remove any bitterness and you must never blame God for anything bad. So often the reason unfortunate things happen to people is because, is because the devil did it and the individual did not know how to deal with these dark adversarial forces. And then when it happens, the devil who actually did it says, God did it. You need to be mad at God. And the whole time the devil did it. And he's laughing, laughing, laughing because all that junk, it comes from the devil. But God's a good God. He look the way some Christians view God is that if this were real, God's going to get locked up by the authorities for child abuse that's actually how warped some believers are in their thinking about God. They accuse him of all of these awful things, but if a literal real parent on the earth did that kind of a stuff, the health authorities would come pick that person up and put them in an institution. God is good. It's the devil who's bad and wrecks havoc and causes great uh, problems. So So you have to realize God's good. He gave you authority, he's given you power, he's given you wisdom, he's given you strength, and you have to know who you are, and you have to know your rights in him, and you have to resist the devil, and you have to always realize that God's good, God's pulling for you, and that his his entire intentions towards you are always good. So if there's something bad going on, it's not it's not God, it's the enemy. It's the enemy. And I'm here to expose those those wrong plans of the enemy, those evil workings of the enemy as being exactly that of satanic origin. Praise God. I, I was walking outside of my residence one time, and there was a neighbor close by. And she had a very tough situation in her life that she was dealing with, and she was very negative about it. And she was a Christian. I don't doubt her salvation one bit. She loved the Lord. She was saved. She went to church every time the church doors were open. But she was mad. She was literally flat out mad at God. And I, I said, Sister, I said, The Lord is not the one that has caused these great things in life that you have to bear, these great difficulties. She said, Yes, He is. He's the one that put this on me to teach me a lesson and to make me humble. I said, I said, no, I said, it didn't come from God. And she got mad. She said, yes, it did. And she wasn't going to change it. This is a person. The enemy has taken a wedge and driven it in there of separation between her and God. And she's mad at God. She's literally mad at God. How can you ever receive the goodness when there's a blocker like that? Mm, mm. And it grieves God. It grieves God that a person like that has had the enemy blind them spiritually. Mm. And so it will block the blessings. God's always good. God's always good. God's always good. Well, then why did that happen? Why did something like that happen, Pastor Stephen? Well, first of all, it wasn't God that did it. But if something did happen... So often things happen because we don't know our rights in Christ. We don't know our authority. We don't know how to exercise it. We, we didn't pray. We didn't address it. We didn't deal with it. And there it is. But the whole time God is for us even still. And God says, look, if, if you're in that situation, I'm still here. I'm still good. Now look to me and I'll give you relief. I'll give you help. Sometimes God can even remove that situation. Uh, at the least he can turn it and uh, supply grace, and he can pour in blessing to where even with it, you have a smile on your face. Praise God. Praise God. He is nothing but good. Touch him. He's nothing but good. He's nothing but good. One day you'll stand before him in person, and you'll see He's nothing but good. There's no way he put cancer on you. He's nothing but good. There's no way he put your kids in a car wreck. He's nothing but good. Mm, and you'll love him for it. But by faith, love him now and receive the revelation from his word of who he is now. He passed before Moses. <laughs> and Moses was like, Woo, the goodness is <laughs> off the limits. <laughs> the goodness is off the charts. And that's true. And he saw that, as we would say, under the old covenant. Wow. Glory to God. Now, Father, I pray you bless your people with the fresh revelation and that you make them smile because nobody wants to draw near to somebody who's mean and nasty. But, Father, you're so good. Let it be uh, uh, an exciting invitation to come near because of your goodness and to enjoy the exuding of that goodness upon us thank you father god thank you father god thank you thank you heal those father who've had a wrong a wrong perception of your character heal them of that now father we give you praise we give you praise and we say you are good father in jesus name amen and amen Glory, glory, glory. Before I close on that, let me just ask you a question. If you were an unbeliever and you saw a Christian that taught or promoted the concept that God loves you, God wants to save you, but be ready, he's mean. And if you come to him, he's probably going to put you in a car wreck to teach you a lesson. What kind of an unbeliever, what kind of a sinner would say, I want to come to a God like that? I'm having a hard enough time in life as it is. And I'm supposed to go serve a God who wants to save me. But yet the moment I get saved, he's going to beat me up to teach me a lesson. I, I, they'd be like, I don't think I want anything to do with a God like that. Mm. My friends, we have to think, we have to think about what we're presenting to the world. We have to think about our doctrine. That's why Paul said, not let many, let not many be teachers. You will give an account for what you teach. So, for a pastor to stand up and say God's not good, he's refuting the, the eternal word of God, and he will have to give an account of that, and, and and there will be loss of merit, loss of reward, not only for his own life, but he's he's misdirecting people. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you ever notice God's word makes sense? <laughs> it's not hard to figure out. He's either good or bad. He's good. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people with your goodness. I thank you. Give them an expectation because it's coming with waves of glory. And so much of that glory can be described as goodness. Waves, waves of goodness coming upon them this year. This year, in Jesus' name, shout, amen. That means so be it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're watching today's program, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to get your life right with God today, then right now pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you died on the cross to save, to redeem sinners like me. Jesus, I turn from my sin, and I ask you now, come into my heart, wash all of my sins away, write my name, In your book of life, and I give my heart to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me now. In your name I pray. Amen. He heard that prayer. He saved you. The moment you lifted it up to him. That's how good he is. You belong to him. Now live for him every day of your life and experience. Taste and see that he's good. That he's good. mm -mm. Now today, let us take Holy communion. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God, and we're going to proclaim his death until he comes because it's through his death upon that cross that he bore all of our sin, all of our shame, the full blast of the curse of the law. He took it upon himself through his death so that we could receive eternal life, newness of life in him. So we celebrate his death because it's through his death that we have eternal life. Praise the Lord. Please today grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Woo! Glory to God. Mmm, mmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, and we thank you for the juice, and we bless it. We consecrate it. And we set it apart as holy. We thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Christ. So, Father, as we receive the body of Christ, we thank you that we embrace your word, that you are good, and that your mercy endures forever. We thank you, Father God, that your mercy and your goodness are going to follow us every day. That we are on this earth for the rest of our lives. Now, Father, we believe that. We expect your goodness to show up. We expect to enjoy it and for others to see it. And it will be a magnet of curiosity to them that is a door for us to share Christ. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. We now receive the body of Jesus. It's all because of him that makes it possible In his name we pray, amen and amen. Let's receive together. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins, that you would forgive us of our sins and wash them all away. And Father, if anybody has sinned against us, we completely, 100% forgive them, and we bless them, and we go on. In, in a walk of forgiveness. Now, father, we give you praise. Thank you. Thank you for everything that is ours in the new covenant that is based upon the shed blood of Christ that gives us legal access and permission to come into your very presence and enjoy your goodness. Thank you, father. You're so good. You made heaven for us. <laughs> wow. Woo. Glory. Father, we receive the blood of Jesus with great thanksgiving. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Please lift your hands with me and say, Lord, you are good. Say it like you believe it with all of your heart. Say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Say it again. Say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, let us say this together. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, personalize it. Make it your personal promise. Believe it. Say it again. Say, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The goodness of God will follow you all the days of your life. And it's showing up this week. Expect it. Get ready for it. Be looking for it. And let it be thick and profuse upon your life. God bless you. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time.